0: a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle.
1: Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mallover Podcast, the only rugby podcast you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our audio content on Anchor, as well as Apple Podcasts, the Google Store and most other mediocre platforms. Uh for the, well, I would say the third week in a row, or fourth week in a row, but it's not because we didn't do last week. We got a full house, so I'm joined by the housewives' favourite. Welcome, Phil.
2: Hey you doing, Russ? It's nice to hear you sounding a bit more chipper than last time.
1: Well, you would think after the weekend that we just had that I I would be, you know, close close to ending it all, but I'm all right as it goes. Because um, he said, uh, golf's coming back. Well, wow. that and lots of other things, but yeah. Just get out of the house. Be nice. Uh, you've heard the dulcet tones there of uh, the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, Ben Eustace. Hello. Uh, and last but not least, um, everyone's favourite lensman um, from China. Welcome, Doug.
3: Oh, I almost said something really close to the line there, but I just <laughs> rained myself in. So, yeah, um, I'm good. That was oh, good. Oh, that Welcome was back. Was it? Oh. Did you have to bite your tongue casually yeah. then? Oh, I've got a little bit of uh, cold sweat.
2: I'll be honest, I'm slightly put off by Doug's background on Skype, which is a picture of Ross. Oh, it's still that? Circa 2013, I guess? Uh,
1: probably. No, it's before that. It would be... That was actually on my honeymoon. Uh, for the for the listeners, it's a picture of me at Madden Swords. I think I've got my arm around a waxwork Tom Jones, or Tom Jones, as he's more commonly known. And, uh, yeah, I've got one of the most bulbous chins you've ever seen. I think, I think, well, I'll tell you what, after this, I think we'll find a way to tweet the picture of that Doug has of me on this background, but my main chin, the focal point of my chin is extremely bulbous, which is then surrounded by a number of other chins. Um, but you know, it, it was, like, it was the two, it was 2009. It was all the rage. Um, Right, let's let's talk about some rugby, shall we? Uh, England travel to Cardiff on uh, uh, on Saturday evening. Doug, you were there. Must have been oh, incredible. Just Watching being the there. old
3: Northampton Hot Saints.
1: <laughs> the Northampton Hot Saints. Yeah, I don't um, even know what that means, but okay. Well, the,
3: the Northampton are without doubt the Tottenham Hotspur of football.
1: Oh, I, I wasn't going... You were there yesterday, weren't you? I'm talking yeah. about Saturday.
3: Oh, we, I wasn't listening. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Tottenham Hotspur, the Tottenham Hotspur football.
3: Yeah. Oh, true. I said of rugby.
0: Anyway. Whatever. This is anyway,
1: current, whatever, going well, it? isn't it? It's Doug a shit isn't, joke, whatever Doug, happens. Doug isn't listening. Um, but you were, in fact, on Saturday at the Millennium Stadium.
3: I was not indeed, not yeah. Um, uh, just, I know what we said before the pod, but part of... Um, Apparently, a broadcast that the BBC should be ashamed of. So,
1: is that that I have seen tweets of that nature. There, there's been a, a lot of slamming of the BBC coverage in general. I think more due down to the, the analysis, the punditry, the interviews, and the likes in general rather than the uh, exquisite camera work.
3: Yeah, I mean, what most people don't know or understand is that there's only about forty or fifty rugby cameramen in the country, so the good ones tend to be at the same events. Mm. Where
1: was though? that?
3: Wales, obviously. <laughs> um, I mean, they
1: they weren't they weren't there because
3: getting... most of us went from Sale to Cardiff to Northampton.
1: Is that what, so, so? Here's here's the thing, and I do not obviously you may or may not answer this question then is that when they put stuff behind the red button and that on BT sport, the stuff that clearly doesn't really matter.
3: Um, Cause you there's mean no games. The premiership games that aren't covered by the BT pre- presentation crew. Yes. i.e., The ones I'm in charge of.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> well, no. And, and, and that's, that, that's what's leading me onto it. Cause I watched some of the Bristol Leicester game on, on Saturday um, there was quite a lot of chatter about Max Laheath commenting, commentating on Bristol, mm-hmm. or was on CoComs. I actually found it quite entertaining. Um, but what I was, what I was leading to, was around the, the production. You know, there would be le- there are obviously less cameras.
3: There are less. Um, there's two less cameras. Okay. No. Yeah. There's two less line cameras and then two less handheld cameras. So four overall. Fair enough. Um, um, but really, you only get, you only lose coverage for, you don't get a behind the sticks camera and you don't get a reverse touchline camera. That's the only difference.
1: I mean, there was a behind the sticks, was it a, a touch camera or behind the sticks camera that captured Christoph Ridley nearly getting wiped out? That was quite entertaining. <laughs> hell of a recovery. <laughs> a hell of a recovery. Anyway, nobody really wants to listen to this today. They They actually are all here for us to listen to us talk. Wow, Ben. Ben's now. Ben's now changed (laughs) his background to a picture of me holding a rugby ball with one of the biggest engines you've ever seen. Um, (laughs) If by engine you mean (laughs) guts, yes, that's exactly what that's exactly what I mean. Uh, But again, I'll probably tweet that one if you want to see it. But it seems that Doug and Ben like to just have me as their background, which is nice. It's
0: a bit like when let's um, go to Wales on. When you see sort of Chinese government buildings and they've all got. Picture of Mao. <laughs> Just you've all office. got pictures of me in the background. Yeah,
1: I am. Are you, what are you saying? I am Morlover's as Chairman Mao. Yeah, or, or, you know Stalin. <laughs> I mean, there's a podcast title <laughs> if you if you ever wanted one. Um, random, but
0: hey ho. Anyway, rugby.
1: Anyway, rugby. <laughs> right, let's let's start very much it, the Millennium Stadium, which I will continue to call it. Uh, it's hard to know where to begin, apart from right at the start. Um, Phil, I know we're probably going to disagree about a, f- a few of these bits and pieces as we move through this, as you've already alluded to. I, I just want to, I want to start off with by saying that I am of the opinion, and I could be completely wrong, but teams are looking for excuses to penalize England early in games, specifically Maruatoji, because of comments previously made. I mean, and, and every team does it, but no team has really talked about it about playing the ref early doors and seeing how much you can get away with on penalties before the ref pings you. So you know where that that fine line
2: is. I'll agree with you on that. I think that's very much what happens that England have done this for probably six or seven seasons where they go out of their way in the first 10 minutes to, to find out where, where the ref's going to draw that line. And the problem is, I think refs are now acute to it they know it's happening. They stamp down on it hard. Um, And equally, I think they are spending a lot of time looking at Mario Toje and, We'll probably end up spending quite a lot of time talking about Mario Atoje, but he's got a reputation for somebody who, a bit like Richard McCaw used to, but Richard McCaw would always get away with it, would go one step beyond the line. And the refs are now watching it to the point where uh, they've almost skewed the line in their own eyes.
0: Yeah, I think I think with Toje in particular, there's probably two things in addition to that that come into play. One is something that um, someone said in our group chat earlier. Um that he's quite a smart player, so he's probably pushing the boundaries quite away and trying to get away with things that are sort of borderline. And I think the other touches on what you said about Richie McCaw. I think if social media was like it is now, I think McCaw would have got penalised off the pitch as well. Because when Atoji does something that's borderline, there's immediately 12 gifts circling the internet of foul play and, and and or not foul play but you know rule breaking and I, I think the refs are only human and a lot of them probably do see those and it probably just seeps in that oh I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that next time but I think a case in point was the the one where he um he got the ball off the scrum art.
1: yeah but the, I, the I, deliberate knock-on inverted commas n- no the one where he ripped it on the way down oh the the same one that the so that is a foul though. in the second half. That was. I, I thought, as part of the tackle, so they 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 were still, they were still in the motion of the tackle. So it, it wasn't like they were both laying still on the floor, and he hadn't released and ripped the ball. That would have been a non-releasing penalty. I get that, but they were still in the motion of the tackle, which and is he... a one-on-one, which is a so one-on-one they... thing. There were no other players. So as they were still moving, he ripped the ball as they were moving.
2: Which is
1: the same,
0: same as, the, the same as anything other
2: Rip. With, without getting too much... ...of this three or four years ago. And basically, as soon as the player with the, with the ball in their possession, as soon as the knee touches the ground, the tackler's got to let go of them. and got to let go of the ball. Yeah. And if you look, both of Hardy's knees are on the ground at the point at which Itojo rips it. Where, where I was going see. with
0: that is, is, I think Phil's right. I think that is the law. But, but another player might have got away with it because right, Wales, very... Wales
2: had exactly the same thing about five minutes later and got away with it.
0: And, and, it, it, and it's, we'll talk about a again, I'm sure, but a lot of his penalties, people say he gives away a lot of penalties, which I guess he does. But a lot of them are like that. Whereas if, if he got that ball out of his hand half a second earlier, it wouldn't have been a penalty. I'm going to say something now,
1: and it could be construed many, many ways in an England shirt. Maroataje stands out. The guy is six foot five. He's a big um, black man, right? That stands careful. out a mile, right? And I know I need to be careful, but if you if you think about if that six foot five man is Charlie Yule's doing what Maroataje does, and it's not because of Maroataje's, unless
0: you are Eddie Butler. Well, yeah, <laughs> I- indeed. But So Russ, I mean, what you're trying to say is is a Jay is distinctive and if you're dis- looking distinctive.
1: Absolutely. You're looking That's a very for, good way of putting it. Thank you.
0: If you before the match have got a predetermined idea. idea in your mind that number four might give away yes. more penalties, that the fact that he's six foot six is is one part and what, what you said it, it, you know is another part. Um I don't think you're suggesting that the referees have got any... No, 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 uh, no, no, no. no. I'm not saying
1: the referee... I'm not saying any referee is remotely racist, right? Not in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is Maru Otoje has a reputation of pushing the boundaries as far as the off-side line goes, and, and it's easy for referees to see that
0: because of
3: who he is.
1: And also, is because
0: if, if, he, if he looked like Doug, he would still stand out on the pitch because he's such a good player.
3: Yeah, that, that's... That that would be my point. I, I think Mario Toji gets pinged more often because he is so good, he gets into positions that other players can't before players can react to it. So he often looks like he's doing something wrong. When he's not, he's just quicker than everyone else. Yes. And the referees think he can't have got there legally. He must. He, it must be a penalty. The prime example is the one where he got done for... Coming in, in at the side of the mall. Okay, yeah. He didn't come into at the side of the mall. He just beat everyone to the back of their mall. The, the mall formed around him. Yeah, till- because I mean, he's he's all the so good that he gets yes, there before yes, him. In, After the And likewise, when he's jackaling, he's often jackaling before anyone has got to him. So it looks like, you know, so the, he's released. It, it looks like he hasn't released, but he's so quick that he releases, gets to his feet and is jackaling before, before they can do anything about it. Same with the tackle. He ripped that ball out of the tackle and got the penalty given against him because normal human beings can't do that. But what we're learning more and more about Maro Otoje is that he's probably the best rugby player that has ever played the game from a purely physical standpoint. He, so, he can do anything.
2: So I don't disagree with you, Doug, but let's go to that, that penalty that you said at the line. The, the call was wrong when the ref said it at the side but it was a penalty because Otoje has broken the, that middle line and and halfway around the front of Adam Beard before Adam Beard's feet hit the ground. It's still a line out, and you're not allowed to go past that centre line until the, the person with the ball in their hands hits the deck. So it's still a penalty, and it's exactly the same thing that Charlie Ewell's got pinged for about 10 minutes from the end. And this is where it gets tricky, is actually, I've... I've Look, I went through the 14 penalties, and there were two of the tojos that were, there's no way in the world they are penalties. The classic example, as as you say, Doug, is that charge down, the charge down from the box kick, because nobody else would be able to get anywhere near that. But he's a mile onside at the time at which Hardy picks the ball up. He is well behind the back line, and he's onside, and he gets his hands so, to the charge down. But the ref calls it as him being offside. Because he thinks there's no way you could have got so, there.
1: So the referee, the side. referee is the referee has guessed the same as the referee. I mean, the the deliberate knock on, and I've watched that deliberate knock on loads of times. I spent a bit of time this evening looking at a lot of the penalties, and that deliberate knock on to me, if if he'd gone there and he'd slapped the ball forward straight through Hardy's hands, and he's just pushed it straight through. I could see how that was a deliberate knock-on. However, he's come over and through the middle, and he's actually slapped it straight down. The fact that the ball's gone forward is an, is an outcome rather than a deliberate knock-on. But again, the fact that wasn't actually um, Gauzier's call, was it? It was a, it was the TMO that called that because
2: he'd, he'd given he'd a knock-on Allowed advantage.
1: games to continue, and England were going to he'd, he'd given a knock-on advantage, and they kicked it
0: away, hadn't he? So. Um, I just think, again,
1: it's, it's, what I w- it's what hard I would for me say, to say. Go on, sorry, Ben.
0: What I would say is what Martin Johnson said, and um, another very decent second row that I was talking to on uh, Facebook said as well, was once he's, once he's realised the referee is looking out for him and is being fussy with everybody, he should have maybe just stay, taken a step back.
2: But uh, I,
1: I think he gets that in every game that he plays. So if you, if you ask Maru Otoji to step
0: back, you're not going to get Maru Otoji. But even if, so he does it for, even if he does it for 10 minutes and just gets the ref off his back?
2: I, I think he needs to start doing it for the first 10 minutes. Say to Otoji, okay, be, be yourself, play yourself, carry the ball, but don't, don't get any 50-50 calls in a rocks, any offsides, anything like that. Just keep quiet for the first 10 so that the refs aren't on your case. And then you can start doing a bit more. I just I, I don't that think he
3: needs to play so close to the edge because he is so much better that he could play well within, well inside the edge and still do the things he does. And I would also question that, you know, the risk of giving away a penalty at a line out within the 10 meter lines by coming round too early is is the benefit of stopping that more is the cost benefit of that. Is it worth doing it for the fear of giving away a penalty? You might as well just let that go. Let them have them all. Cause they're likely going to box kick it straight to you anyway.
1: Yeah. You're just giving them a free it's, kick. Uh, into the. To me, line. it seems
3: about they, they talk about controlling their controllables, but they don't seem to be very game savvy in the Tom Curry's penalty for in at the side. Wales were well inside their own half. It it just doesn't need to be done. You you, Uh, you let that rut go. Just let it go.
0: I I thought there were several penalties in the first half that were not penalties. Bill's just said exactly the ones that I I would probably list. But I think all all the penalties in the second half were just dim. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get
2: get to that. Johnny
0: Hills, I mean... The, the, you could um, see that from Mars.
2: The exclusion to that is is the Mako the Napoleon one, which I don't think he's offside. I think he comes back behind. So box kick comes up. I can't remember if it was either May or Slade knocks it forwards a bit, and, and Mako catches it. But if you look at Mako, he comes back onside and then attacks it forward. So it's a it's just a knock on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean right. it's, not it's not it's hard to watch any of right
3: scrums now. Yeah, I think that's a there so can good be an offside result. penalty at every ruck. They're, there can be, the, 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 the crazy thing about this is a lot of these penalties can be given at any time. You could look, you could pinpoint any ruck and go, right, well, there's a penalty, there's a penalty. Just so happened that we get pinged a lot or so we the, got the, pinged a lot in that game.
2: A classic example of that is the Genge one. Genge goes in supporting a player. The player gets tackled, drops to the deck and Genge falls on top of him and, and effectively seals off. That pretty much happens at every ruck. Um, but in terms of the rucks, if I just want to compare how the rucks were refereed, not the rest of it, because I think the rest of it was, we can can come on to how the rucks were refereed with how Carl Dixon refereed the cell Exeter game. Now, fairly early on that ref was absolutely shit hot on players, not rolling away. So Owen Farrell in the first couple of minutes, not rolling away, whistle goes penalty. Um, Similarly, there was a Wells player fairly quick. And as a result, nobody's hanging around that tackle area because they know they have to move lightning fast. We have a situation in the Sale-Exeter game where Sale were... Well, in fact, both of them were incredibly slow at moving away, but Sale had two or three, two, three, four people flopping on top of the ball in defence and slowing it down and never being penalised for it. And then we end up in a situation where... Um, I think it's Davey carries the ball forward into two Sale players, and both Sale players, in the act of tackling, flop directly over the ball. And if you're an Exeter player, you're going to go, "I'm going to get no help here from the referee to try and do this. I've got to try and clear it out." So you end up with a situation where Whitton pulls Langdon back on his neck, and then Yendel comes in and hits him. You can you can argue the toss about whether there was a wrap there or not. It was it was given as a red card, but to me. The situation that's led to that is the fact that the Rucks were an absolute mess all flipping game, absolute like disgraceful state all game. Whereas in the England Wales game, the Rucks were far tidier and far more clinical because you've got a ref, you know fairly quickly you've got a ref who's not going to allow defensive players to hang around in the okay, in that okay. area.
1: So so with that in mind, then you started off there talking about the Owen Farrell rolling away, and I've watched that one over and over again as well, and. Farrell makes the tackle he rolls the correct way which is away from the uh, the way that the nine is approaching so he's not rolling back into the nine that ball is always available for Hardy to play the referee gives Farrell approximately zero time less than a second uh, even though even though he's rolling the right way and not obstructing the ball he's already he's, like he'd already, already decided that he was going to give that penalty uh, uh, that uh, as he made that tackle. Because he saw that Farrell was isolated and potentially could be dropping on the wrong side, which, ironically, he didn't end up.
2: See, I, I think it's a harsh call, but I think Farrell has half a second there where he can at least make a show of trying to move out of the way. But he did, he, because he wasn't in the way, Phil. I, see, because I the ball was always, always lateral... available. If you look at the lateral view of it, that ball isn't available until he's cleared out to the side. He's lying, he's lying with his legs on top of the ball until he's cleared out to
1: I, the side. I don't think they're not his legs. They are defensive legs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway well, right. we'll agree to disagree on it. But my, my point was, in general, I think because he was harsh on the rucks from the start and consistent on the rucks, you end up with much tidier rucks which means you you don't end up with five, six, seven players on the floor, hands all over the place when they shouldn't be. And as a result, the, the teams are getting the ball. I mean, how many turnovers were there at Rucks? Precious few. All game from both sides. Less than a handful, I'd say. Okay. So, so- I actually think he refereed the Rucks really well as a whole. He refereed a lot of other stuff crap, but... The
1: Rucks, He did okay. Okay. Well, that, that's that's a, that's a fair assumption from your point of view. Um, let's talk about that whole situation then. So he's pinged Owen Farrell for uh, being on the wrong side or not rolling away. He's then asked Owen Farrell to go and have a chat to to his team. He said called the time off, allowed them to go and have his team. Now this was a very similar incident to what I think has been highlighted. From a couple of years ago from and go uh, again where uh, bigger kick to Adams again I think wasn't it it was it was a similar situation but sort of the other way around he's he's asked Farrell to go and talk to his um, to his team he's then basically given them a, a specific amount of time, however that amount of time is, and then he's bas- and he's just said time on, and away they go. Now, if he's asked to talk to the team and pull the whole team in, then he should allow them s- specific time to get set before they allow they allow Wales to um, continue the game. I've seen a lot of conjecture from Welsh Twitter. And rugby Twitter in general, that's the wider view that shows Johnny May, and it might have been Slade on the the, the right wing as we look at it from behind the whales uh, view, uh, whether they were you know had finished having their water or whatever you know it's
2: fucking irrelevant Russ. Where, where Johnny John
1: May could have wandered off that. at any given moment. Well, he? That, but that but that's I'm just being a, not playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying that that's what people are saying is that well those two weren't weren't involved in the mother's meeting. So why should we England be given given the chance to to reset? I think,
2: so I think that your like, your winger and your although Johnny May got pinged for the first pen, uh, penalty, but your winger and your outside centre haven't been involved in the penalties and not listening to the captain when he's t- talking about the penalties in and around the road i mean i'd like to have known but, whether they were in that huddle to start but, with but probably But not. the point is the most important thing the way i see it is nigel owens joel jute the head of world referees and the referee himself have all admitted that they should have yeah, given England time that's to. that's what i was
0: going to like. say G- himself has said i'm you know i'm sorry i've made a mistake Again. There's, there's there's nothing really to to Argue with it. Yeah. He, he should have let them go back out. So, it, but having said that, it is a little bit dim having seen what happened two years ago that it wasn't in their minds.
3: And this this brings me on to my main point about all this is that England spent countless time telling anyone who'd listen in the lead up to this tournament and the lead up to the August uh, the autumn internationals that. They've done nothing in this off-season apart from concentrate on defence. And it leads me on to another point that I'll I'll talk about later, but they've done nothing but work on defence. Well, you've shipped 40 points and you've switched off twice at at penalties. So what exactly in defence are you concentrating on? Forget all the penalties, forget all all the crap play that you've done, forget the arrogance. What are you working on? Are these... Penny Hill Park things are they just are they, are they like uh, just a big jolly up where they go around and say oh we'll tell everyone we're talking about defence but really we're just here on expenses that's what I don't understand that kind of shit shouldn't happen if you profess that all you've done for the last four months is concentrate on working on your defence
2: given that a year ago we had one of the best defences in the world we had a, an aggressive in your face proactive Defense, which is now a part of horseshit,
1: I will say in response to that, Doug. Is that yes, we've shipped 40 points on the scoreline.
3: I mean, they were given two tries, hey, Russ. Don't tell me given. about two tries that shouldn't have happened because they did happen, mate. I'm also going
1: to say, is around the break, the breakaway try. Yes, it was a knock on, and then you know, but they were on our our line you know, we were chasing the game and they've been given nine points in a 10-minute t- period at the end of the second half where it will disappear and they've just gone penalty, touch, penalty, touch, posts, penalty, touch, posts, penalty, touch, posts.
0: Well, what I'd say is is we know now that those two tries shouldn't have been given, but they were and it, it you can have a try and nothing through good play you know George North could have scored a try like he did again for the Lions where no one touched him and it could have just been brilliant play that a try came out of nowhere or Ben Young's could have whacked a box kick up Billy Billy Bonapola's ass and it went back over the line and someone dotted it down so the the problem in that game wasn't the the dodgy tries it was we got back to 24-all Yes. And then flakes it out completely. Yeah. Um yeah. Hey, if, and,
2: if those two Wales tries had not have been given, England still didn't deserve to get anything out of that game.
1: No no, and and I agree with that based on that last fifteen minutes. Having got back yeah. to twenty four all, I I I genuinely don't believe that they deserve they did deserve to get anything. They got exactly what they deserved on balance over overall. That doesn't take away from the absolute shitshow decisions that, you know,
0: say, didn't go their way in the first half. The annoying thing is between the second Welsh try and the second English try, they actually play really well.
2: Yeah, there was some there was some real. So there were some people, there's a bit of chat going on about how people thought Farrell actually played pretty well. There were some real periods where England in attack looked fantastic. They were quick ball moving it. Billy Young. um, Ben Young's doing a bit of sniping, shifting it to where the gaps were. And we'd gone from, I don't know, probably our 10 metre line to about 15 yards off their try line. And the ball got spun out to Owen Farrell, who had two or three men outside him, who are the right kind of people that you want to give a one-on-one. And he got the ball and he looked and he went, I'm just going to truck this up the middle and got the ball tied, tied in. I can't remember whether it was a... Turnover for a scrum or just completely lost momentum and a, a out on it. But, Christ, the, gu- the guy just looks like he's got absolutely zero confidence on a rugby pitch. I mean, yeah. that, he would have been making those decisions in his sleep 18 months ago. He's played
3: for no one other than England since
2: the World I don't
3: Cup, pretty much.
1: Yeah, because,
3: I mean, when the last few weeks of the Premiership he didn't play. But, you know, there's several things... We've spoken a lot. Should we move on from penalties? It feels like yeah, we've yeah, a lot yeah, about penalties. yeah,
1: yeah. Oh um, no, sorry. Can I just ask? Can I just say one more thing about? It wasn't a penalty, but um, there was a point in the second half where England, uh, no, sorry, the Wales nine hardly picked up from the back of a ruck, took two or three paces. England came from an onside position to to rush defence, and Gozier told them to get back. Do you remember that?
2: Yeah,
1: it's on to get back, wait or hold or whatever it was, and they were all on side. But because he told them, they all kind of just—they fro- all kind of just froze when when they had the chance to to make the rush defense work. And it just—it was—it was a poor performance from from Gossier. and you know, on,
3: just a last thing on him. The knock-on try, he's admitted that he got it wrong there should be no reason why once a once a knock-on goes to a tmo there should be no reason that's ever been that's ever got wrong with the amount of cameras they had yeah. there that's unforgivable like that is genuinely that should never happen
2: but the tmo agreed with them
1: yeah which no. makes me think which makes me think then right referees in general and it would have been easy for him to see in real time, he should have blown for a knock-on. So his decision should have been, he's knocked that on. Not real time, that's a try. I've given a try, would we'll he check whether it's a knock-on or not? It should be, he's not that on. I can see with my eyes, I'm trusting my eyes, he's knocked that on. Is there any, can you change my mind that he hasn't knocked it on? But he's not given. He's not given that once they've scored the try, because I think referees now are adverse to making decisions because of the comfort blanket of the TMO. We've seen it in Premiership. In, in football. that
3: instance, Russ, I'm inclined to go with what he did because within five seconds they were over the try line, and the game's about entertainment. Ultimately, so you want tries, so you let that go uh, because there was a no because there was a try, you let it go, and then you bring it back and you decide. Well, should it have stood? Once they brought it back, it shouldn't have stood. But I, I, I actually don't mind him going with it. Ah, uh, no, no, no. You, you've got me wrong. Right. You got me wrong. No, he, he said.
1: I'm not saying blow up. What I'm saying is, when they scored that try, oh, uh, so he should his, have
3: given like a soft his decision.
1: His his soft signal should have been. I think he's knocked it on there. So my on-field decision is no try, knock on. Because I saw that with my own fucking eyes. Tell me any... Re- if you can tell me anything different, like they do in a lot of premiership, you know, you know when they score tries now, the TMO just checks it upstairs and goes, yeah, tries good.
3: Yeah, well, like, we will talk about that another time maybe.
1: Without, without breaking but, or, or anything else. But his decision, after seeing that, said on-field decision is a try, which then meant they had to conclusively prove that he knocked it on, which they still did, by the way. They still proved that he knocked it on. But an interpretation of of the law said that he didn't because it hit his leg. But it didn't hit his leg and go backwards. It just hit his leg as he was running forwards. And the reason it looked like it went backwards is because he was running fast forwards. We, does, does that we make sense? That. We all get that. Yeah, but um, fucking Alex, whatever his name is, and Pascal Gauzier didn't, did they? Why? They're the they the international referees, Doug.
2: But it's irrelevant what happens after it hits his leg. The point is, it's come forwards from his own yeah. too. So, so why
1: then? Why in an international rugby match is that being is that being mistake being made?
0: Well, uh, because he fucked up. Why are international players knocking the ball on?
2: Yeah, you. Are we, are I, I've, we got, fullbacks I've got no. Are we
0: talking you talking
3: about know, fullbacks? You usually England v Wales. I've worked on a couple of the England Wales games recent in recent years, and usually I'm a bag of nerves before the game, during the game, and then after the game. There's usually a bit of backwards and forwards, you know, between it predominantly in those games, especially in Cardiff, you have quite a predominantly Welsh crew with a few English blokes thrown in. And um, I mean, after this game, I, 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 even during the game, I had no emotion whatsoever. I wasn't nervous. I didn't really care. You know, if we lost, we lost.
1: Is that because of your apathetic view of the England I rugby think, team? I right? think
3: so, yeah. And that speaks to a larger point that I do think probably everyone's had enough of this England team.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean you said a cup you've you've said it on a number of occasions now that in your opinion England are fast becoming or have if not have become the
3: most unlikable team yeah. in world I mean, sport. Owen Farrell doesn't help and again another thing I've wanted to say since Saturday we've got to get rid of this notion that rugby is a game played by gentlemen and it's all about respect it's like that that went out of the window a long time ago. Well, with yeah, professionalism, optimism, probably. Players now, they're rugby players from the age of 10, and then they go professional and they're all rugby. They don't have that gentlemanly, you know, few pints. In they do they do the whole beers afterwards and stuff like that. But it's not about just the game now. This is their livelihoods, and so they can be shithouses. So you've got to do away with that. If Ellis Gens don't want to cap, clap a team off a pitch, don't worry about it, mate. You fill your boots. It's the
1: irony of that little clip, though. It was, he actually had clapped them, but had stopped. And then this clip was a period of time where he wasn't
2: clapping. Yeah. It, it, you know it, what? I'm, I'm all for that. If, you, yeah. if you're absolutely, to me, that shows a degree of passion. Yeah, pissed you pissed off. You He's care about me. it. You're absolutely you gutted. English,
3: Englishmen can't show passion because then we're being xenophobic or whatever, you know, or disrespectful but, or...
1: I said this at the weekend of all of the stuff that happened on Saturday in in Wales, if that had been on the other foot at Twickenham for argument's sake, the world would have melted. It would have been, I mean, it's bad enough at the best of times, but watching, you know, a lot of the Welsh rugby Twitter, the Irish ones who just jump in because they are arguably, you know, the most annoying set of fans along with the Indian cricket fans, you know, on the internet. Um, But if that, if that shoe had been on the other foot, can you, can you imagine the rage against England?
2: Let's, let's be honest about this. I've, I've got some Welsh friends. I've got some Welsh um, clients and they've all been really quiet over the last three or four days. And the real people that
1: understand
2: probably, will yeah, but it's the classic one percent who use Twitter as a way of being an absolute dick. Uh,
0: that that's the point. Like I've I've always sort of since my days at uni known a you know a lot of Welsh people who are rug, rugby people to their like fingertips, and they don't really have the anti English thing. They they want to beat England more than they want to beat everyone else, but they don't think we walk around with a sort of forked tail and horns. You know, in our, our spare time. But, you know, the irony of it is, half of their side are English. <laughs> well, yeah. But this, yeah, this week's that. kind of, uh, you know, this week's kind of shown there's a lot of dicks on Twitter, and Saturday brought out the Welsh dicks on Twitter. And, you know, there is a certain group of people out there that if, if you, if, now, before someone asks me, this is a made up scenario, okay? <laughs> if, if Wales beat England 50 0. And then the team went out on a two-day bender. And as part of that two-day bender, they set fire to a school bus. A full school bus. When did they do this? <laughs> if you then tweeted... It, it was if, it?
1: Was their school bus of disabled children? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from
0: the, from then,
2: the convent school. If you the then numbers.
0: tweeted, well done to Wales on the great victory. Uh, they played really well. Shame about the school bus massacre you would get people coming back to you saying you're just focusing on the negatives. You're a sore (laughs) loser. And it's just, you know, I just think getting, you know, I I thought the, you know, there was a, there was a lot of people searching the rule book to justify why um, that knock on wasn't a knock on. And, and, you know, typical of rugby, you can interpret the rule either way. It just, so happens that the other interpretation has been the one that everyone else has gone with for the history of the game but it was a little bit like johnny may's try against ireland you could argue it either way um but you know once the referee of the game his boss and the best welsh referee have all said it's not a try it's just time to give up just just take the win you know yeah you, you don't need to send a death threat to ellis genge you've won
1: I mean, we've got the benefit of, of hind- recording this with hindsight or, or with the knowledge that that um, they've come out and admitted these mistakes now. And you know what? Fair, fair play. You've, you, you're, not, you're not doubling down on, on the issue. And, you know, the, the mistake's been made. That's fine. England didn't lose the game because of those mistakes. It possibly would have been a different game if they weren't made. That, that's sport. That's human error, and, and I'm all right with human error. I'm all right with it in the main when people can acknowledge when they've made it. Does that make, you know, yeah, yeah. we can all do that. That's how we've, that's how we've grown up with sport, playing lower-level sport. We've all had times where referees in, in Wednesday night matches that mean absolutely fuck all, but referees have just had an absolute shocker and made a decision or a, say, a, a run of decisions that have just been unbelievable. And we've all been a part of that in, in all sports, football. I mean, Doug got called, sent off in a football match for calling me a fat gun.
0: We're on the same team. We at, we played in a game down at the Menai and someone tried to do a clearance kick and it blew back into his own post. And we all just stood there and I said to the ref, I was like, am I offside or not? <laughs> and he went, I don't know. <laughs> Just carry on. <laughs> Amazing.
1: But, but we've, all been, we've all been there, haven't we? We've, we've all been there.
0: Yeah.
1: But all, 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 all and, I'm... Saying
2: and you, you win some, you lose from some. It, and the, yeah.
0: The,
2: the challenge is... The problem is there's, there's two major calls there that got badly wrong. But as we've all said earlier, midway through the second half, it was 24 points all. It was everything to play for and England were on a, a decent in run in the
3: ascendancy. Hey, but not only that. And then
2: we fucked it up and it's it's the same things that we've been discussing for the past 2 years. It's a lack of a plan B, it's an inability to adapt on the on the pitch. It's the fact that we give away too many stupid stupid penalties like Johnny Hills one. It's like it's coming from a 45 degree angle. It's not even close to the back foot and they've got the ball secured. He's, he's going to gain nothing. It's just Sheer stupidity. And it's picking players. So we it's been fairly well known for years that Billy Vanopolo is only any good after he's had 10 games on the banks. Saturday, 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 10 games on the banks to get himself fit and in the swing of things. And yet we're persevering with him and allowing him to stay at a club where he's playing absolutely zero club rugby and he still gets picked. When we've got players that are that are absolutely you can, I can name you three number eights now absolutely tearing up the premiership who would do a better job than Billy at the moment. And let's be fair, Billy was better than he was in the previous game because he's got another game under his belt. But he's a long way off his best, and he'll never make it to his best I, I, this season.
0: I think the fact that Billy played well and was great gaining ground meant that Ford and, Cur, uh, Ford and Young yes. played a lot better as well. Yeah, um, 100%. And, and But I mean... Elliot Daly,
2: Christ alive! It, how many weeks has he got to play shit before he gets dropped?
3: Doug, it begs the question that like, there's there's a number of players now. So if Johnny May isn't the fastest player on the pitch, what's he offering? And Louis Zamet made he's a money. He put
1: that to bed, didn't he? Yeah.
3: yeah. So what's he offering? What's he actually offering? Because he's not powerful, and if he's not the quickest guy on the pitch, he doesn't do anything. So you get i get somebody in there like Oli Thorley who will offer something yeah. or when... Yeah but you
2: can be you can be the second quickest player on the pitch and still be useful with Well the not if on you're you're your crickets. wing
3: is quicker than you Well yeah so you play playing <laughs> on the other wing But anyway Ben Young I, I will say Johnny, Johnny May as... was
1: the best under the high ball Say, say again Gordon. I was going to say that Johnny May was probably our best player under the high ball
0: um, I but... just
3: don't I don't know what he's offered in the last few games
0: he, He's out of nick as well I think I, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, ben Youngs, he's,
0: he's ben Young's
3: done to... his best Stuart Broad impression and brought himself another ten caps.
1: That, that's true. The, the
3: interesting thing is that we look so much of a better team when we've got a nine that will run off the base. Yeah, and yet we've got two players in the squad who that is their trademark who don't get anywhere near the squad, the team. Thacker and and um, Robson, little Harry Randall. Uh, sorry, Randall. Sorry, I get them mixed up because they're the same size. But um, Randall's injured, isn't he? Is he injured now? Okay, well, yeah. Look, you know that—that's a fact. Um, that we need to look at. We need to look at that position. Daly's just—I mean, absolute tire fire, isn't he? He's just ridiculous. Well, he he
1: runs and throws, he was... throws the ball. I don't think he passed the ball once. But there was a couple of times. No, he didn't. We made a break. Um, in the first half. Lovely bit of play. Farrell and Slade combined, I think, put Daly in a gap. And all he had to do was straighten and give the ball to Johnny May. Now, whether Johnny May had got there or not, probably, you know, re-summit, probably would have caught him. And I've I've been more impressed with the way re-summit's physicality has has improved. He he went from being a a boy last season who looked like a boy to, in the last six months, he, he
3: looks... But that well, Wales back three could easily be one of the best back threes in the world,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that Elliot Daly scenario, if he'd have straightened and just given the pass, it would have given an opportunity at the very least. They'll have a line out inside there, maybe the, you know, five meters or whatever. What he did do instead was run across the pitch on a diagonal. And instead of putting his in his hammer down and just going, well, I'm just going to put me head down and run, he decides to then start looking behind him, trying to fend off whoever it was that was trying to tackle him.
0: Yeah, it should have, it should have just gone, which straight, means you,
1: you're not you're not running. You're, yeah, you're not running at full. You can't run at full speed while you're running with one arm on the ball and another arm behind you trying to fend someone off. It's just but not the possible. Problem,
0: the problem with Daly is he's out of position anyway. If he's playing well, he can just about get away with it. He's not playing well and it's got into his head now. Because at times he was just, the ball was just squirting out of his hands, you know, just as he was carrying it, you know, just near to contact and it was coming out. He, he just, you know, we, we've been critical of him for weeks, but, you know, I'm at, I, I started to feel a bit sorry for him in that game because, because he's out of position, he knows it and he knows he's not playing well. So, it's not a very nice place to be in, I would imagine. Um, I thought, what's what? I mean, Watson, when he got that ball with four or five men in front of him. Superb finish. I, tr- I, just, I just knew he was going to score. Um, you know, we said Ford and Young's played well. And I thought, Mako, I thought had a good game and so did Sinclair. Um, well, the, the thing is, Mako and Sinclair, uh,
1: they had good games without being noticed i mean i i can't remember hearing like here really hearing sinclair's name through commentary he just he was just efficient he could just got stuff done you know which you'd I expect think- from a front row forward i wouldn't I, I don't want my front row forwards you know being talked about on commentary if that makes sense i want I, my front row forwards think- to do the
2: and every, every time he carried
0: it he sucked in a couple of welsh players. yeah which is what you want him to do i i think another thing that that caused a problem is, is how much more of an impact the Welsh bench made. Um you know you know England's bench I mean a lot of them came on very late anyway. They probably left it too long to bring them on. But, that, you know, that's
1: the feature of, of Eddie Jones as well, isn't it? Mm. He doesn't he, he doesn't make change. he doesn't make changes until almost at a point where the the gate they're not gonna have too much of an impact in the game.
3: Yeah Good job, I mean, George like, Martin was on the bench, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: I mean, he sat in his tracksuit for eighty minutes. I mean, Sheedy and, and Halaholo were on what fifty minutes, from, yeah. from about 50, so, five minutes, and, and both of those you know had a real impact. Corey Hill scored. I, I gotta say, yeah, I gotta say, Callum
1: Sheedy, when he came on and bigger went off, I I genuinely thought, here we go, wow. like we've we've got an opportunity here.
3: No, hands and, hands up, and, and hands up, seen enough up, of him to know he's hands up, he's made he is a different the, stuff. Yeah he
1: He was superb he was he was absolutely fantastic when he came on, and you know hands up you know i I genuinely thought potential weak link bigger has gone off bit of a talisman for them um but Sheedy blew him out of the water she i mean Sheedy is probably as an all round ten like offers a bit more threat than bigger because of the way he carries the ball as well, his speed of pass. His fleet of foot, you know, bigger is very, very good, but he's fairly, you know,
3: two-dimensional, whereas I'd say Sheedy is more of a three-dimensional 10. What it says to me is that Eddie Jones has an issue. Wales have shown wow. that they're not they're not bothered, or Pivak has shown that he's not bothered about giving people a chance if they're playing well. And often if you give... People are chance when they're playing well; they reward you. So he's picked players on form. I mean, I'd never heard of that replacement hooker, the scrum half. I didn't even, didn't know he existed. And I'm thinking, well, why aren't you picking Reese Webb? Is you know, where, where's he? Where's where's all these? You know, there is no way on God's green. I mean, look at Sam Simmons. Sam Simmons is well. She's playing for Wales. It's without question. But we stick with this squad. We stick with this out uh, of this. Lordy the Jones has to the team and it's holding us back because we're not give, we're giving random second rows caps like he's happy to do that because at the end of the day he knows that when everyone's fit toe jay Laws or a toe Hill Launch free Launch free. They, he knows so miss, he, he can hand out caps break. like Confetti's the second row it doesn't matter they, I mean we, they we said launch. it in the last cycle to the last World Cup these middle years of a World Cup cycle are where you try your onions. You, you see what you've got in the garden. We know that the squad that Jones is picking is not good enough to win a World Cup. because, And it's, it was the same with the England football team. We picked the same football team, three World Cups in a row, and were surprised every time we didn't win. We're picking the same squad this year that we did in the World Cup, and they weren't good enough then, they're not good enough now. It makes you wonder how you evolve if that's the
1: case, doesn't it? Well, they're because, not going to. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, that's where I was going. You know, it, it's all very well dropping in penny numbers of players here and there, but like this, this six nations, the autumn nations cup, which nobody should really give a fuck about. I know Ben, you're going to disagree with this massively and you want England to win. You know, you think England should win every test match that, that they go into. Now, I think if you're if you're gonna pick players to give them a chance, that that almost gives you a bit of an edge to say, well, we're gonna be experimental, but we're gonna give these players a chance to see what they can do. You might it might not come off. And if you looked at Wales in the autumn, I mean I'm not saying by any means Wales Wales are a great side now, but you know,
2: They're making go, go,
1: they are making progress. And you look at, you know, Jonathan Davis is is getting on a bit, and George North. Playing 13, I thought he was excellent. England identified a couple of defensive um, issues with him getting squared up a little bit. But I think, you know, he he could reinvent himself as a 13. Maybe he's lost a yard of gas and he can be that that 13 with Adams and, and resum it outside him. It's like you mentioned, the, the nine. You mentioned there's the, the likes of um, oh, Hala Holo, the likes of Sheedy. You know, he's given opportunities to people like Johnny Williams, Owen Watkin, um Nick Tompkins. Like they've had a they've had a bit of a, a bit of a go. Yes, there's a few injuries there now, which has forced them maybe to go back to Jonathan Davis. But it's the you know, Wales got pelters in the autumn and they were getting Pelters and I gave them Pelters because I don't think they're a great side, but they're on for a grand slam, they just won a triple crown. Right? That that's that's progress. It could be a false dawn, but you don't know. What uh, I see from England is the same players, the same squad, the same tactics, the same formations
2: and the same frailties week in, week out. Russ, screw the Autumn Nations Cup. We are, as far as I'm concerned, we are looking likely to finish the Six Nations with only one win. If that's the case, we've got two games now where they can start experimenting. with feedback. 100%. Bring them in that. Yeah, but they won't. The tournament's... Tournament's gone, it's lost. We won't we won't beat France, absolutely no chance at all. So now's the chance where you go, like France did in, in the, the autumn. autumn. They stuck out a third string against us and let a few players play. We should do exactly the same thing. Full, complete, different 15. Pick a, not a single player between them. Effectively a Saxon side and let's see what they can do. Jet, Jones track. will
0: not do
2: that. No, oh, no, of course not he won't. He's a single player. I, I don't think
0: they go
3: that,
0: far, so that but... it's
3: self-propelled. You don't. You want to win every game, so you play the same team. That team loses, so you want to play the same team so they get better. But they lose again. So you can't drop them because you want to show faith. And they lose again. Well, we're going to play ourselves back into form. You might beat Ireland. Oh, look, we're playing better now, so we'll keep the same team. And it goes and on and on it goes. That's how it
0: works. I mean, I think, to be honest, the last two games, I wouldn't go as far as to change the whole team, but I think even natural wastage would probably mean you you could probably select quite a different 15 like you could you could easily get rid of Daly Farrell May George George um, and maybe Von from the starting 15 and probably any of the bench
2: I'd say to Billy if you're serious about playing in the next World Cup you've got to find yourself a premiership side and you've got to play the rest of the season week in week out
3: I think there's no guarantee they'll go up you know
2: no, 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 I know. But even even if they do go up, him playing half a dozen games in the championship is not good preparation for playing international. Can rugby. you
1: imagine them not them not going up and then PRL bolting the door? They're not going to do that, obviously. But Ealing come up as champions, and they say and no, oh, well, no disrespect, bring like
2: I, I, I enjoyed watching Saracens in the Premiership and I think they, they bettered the product of the Premiership. But I think because of the way it's all been handled about trying to make find a way that they can get back up to be in the Premiership without any relegation, I, I think it would be exactly the the best thing for rugby if Ealing do go up. Agreed. Can we
3: talk about the interview situation? Because we've been going for an hour yeah. now.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I didn't it up, I, I I'm to gonna keep quiet because I don't really give a shit about it. I, I I didn't know
1: if you would want you were wanted to talk about it, Doug, so I, I I'll let you bring it up.
2: Yeah.
3: So here's four questions Sonia McLaughlin could have asked. So she walks up, Eddie's Eddie's uh sorry, Owen's there, right? Okay, um Defence has been a big point this this uh, tournament, Owen. Um, you've lost, and you've lost with 40 points on the board. What went wrong? He answers, obviously. He says, oh, yada, yada, yada. Okay. You're disappointed, obviously. What do you take from this match going forward? Refereeing's a big point, but how can England change the picture of in the referee's mind? Okay. And lastly, a big performance from Wales. Did they pull any surprises, or did that just... Did they just execute better? All of those are questions that Owen Farrell can give a tangible answer to. And I've just jotted those down in the last two minutes. She was, you know, she was there. I mean, I've had the benefit, benefit of hindsight. The thing with that interview is, in my opinion, is looking for a soundbite to nail Owen Farrell to the wall. So I, I have nail listened, Eddie Jones to listened the
2: wall. or watched the interview. What, what were the questions?
3: It's basically um, all about the refereeing decisions. Okay. Somebody did a count. Apparently, she asked the same question to four people ten times.
0: I, now, did, you, I did you get an I answer? They, no? no they of course just, not. They just dead-batted it. I but mean, then I, I, I've,
1: had, I've seen Chris. Sorry, Ben. Just uh, I've seen B, B, BBC people, and I use the term in general. Chris Jones. I will. I will name one because I've seen a, a tweet specifically of his. Asking about, oh, where's this rubbish come from? That they're not going to answer questions and criticise referees, and that just seems like stupid doubling down on support of a
3: colleague. That That's ex- that is exactly what it is. And le- so, and you know, I've brief encounters with Sonia. I, I obviously filmed that Ellis Genge interview when he said about oh, the sausages. sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she seems a, a lovely person, but in this instance, I think she was wrong. And the problem with the situation is. We ask for accountability from players and coaches. And if I mess up, I have to be accountable. Who's she accountable to? Because in my view, it is a a mess up. Misguided, almost certainly. Not vindictive. I don't think there's any vindictiveness. It's her job to get a soundbite. So she tried to get a soundbite. I think she went about it in the wrong way. And I think there could have maybe been a, a slightly deeper line of questioning other than was the ref wrong? But for everyone just to come out and blanket, say, what, I was right, she's one of the best at the job. She f- absolutely didn't do the best job she could have done in that instance. And so she, every people have a right to question it.
2: I, I because she's
3: a woman or whatever, that that shouldn't come into it. Do you just Yeah, yeah that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant.
2: So yeah. was it just questioning?
0: But it feels it,
3: to me like people are defending her because she's a woman.
0: I, it, I thought was
2: it was there, a pretty... Was it just questioning that she got or were, or were there comments that singled it out because she's a woman or went further to well, the Well, I like... can't
3: see her mentioned, so I don't know. But no, apparently no. she got... Okay, the no, whole of, for, the
2: whole further of twitter of went... like, like Alice Kenji getting death threats and things like yeah. that.
3: I mean, it's getting out of hand, really. Let's all, let's all be honest about it. And I think we've reined ourselves in somewhat, apart from on our little group on Twitter. Yeah. But let's um let's be honest the way to deal with it isn't to broadcast on your twitter feed that you're crying in your car cuz can you imagine can you imagine tim cocker doing that for bt getting a few upset tweets and then tweeting i'm sat in my car crying or it, or um, martin bayfield yeah
1: it's 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 going it's don't let me how do i say this don't play don't say well i want to be treated as a, as an equal And I'm doing the job I'm asked to do, and I can do it as good as everybody else. And then, and then, and then expect because. And but sorry, Ben. But then expect everyone to feel sorry for you when you've taken a few pelters. It's almost like you're saying, "Well, you want everyone to stick up for you because you know because you're vulnerable, and you you know you shouldn't have to take this abuse." Which is right; you shouldn't have to take the abuse. But equally, don't don't put yourself in a position where you could
3: potentially be at the brunt of that. If, if the only people that are defending you are fellow professionals and everyone that's saying you did a bad job is your audience. The chances are you've done a bad job because you're the people that are saying you did a good job are your mates and they're trying to make you feel better. The people that are telling you, you've done and, a bad and, job and on, are your and audience.
1: on Twitter, and on Twitter, the people that are defending you usually uh, want to try and
3: sleep with you. So, <laughs> so but, yeah, but I think you're,
1: you're probably not right.
2: Um,
3: but, <laughs> well, no, but,
1: but you know what uh, I mean? You know, like when somebody defends somebody, yeah, she's
2: yeah. not going to sleep so, with you, mate. What, what I'm just trying to find out is actually how, what kind of comments were made and what vindictive things were said. Oh, somebody cocks her up. And the job that they're doing is very much in the public eye. Like, if I cocked up something with a client, I I would hope that client wouldn't go straight on Twitter and say that I'd cocked up and and tell everybody. But I guarantee if
3: he did, your mates on Twitter would say, don't listen to him, Phil.
2: Yeah, but but then my mates on Twitter wouldn't know about it, (laughs) wouldn't know what had happened. but. If, so if you cock up, you should there is a there should be a right to criticism, particularly when what you're doing is very much in the public eye. The public could have a right to go, you know what? She's done a crap job of an interview there. She's rehashed it and asked the same question multiple times, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, fair enough. 100% agree. If those people then turn around and go, this is why women shouldn't be involved in men's sport, that's not on. If those people then go around and, and start calling her... her uh, disrespectful names again that's not on but it's no different whether she's female or male or black or white or whatever the any any criticism that's professional is fair game as far as i'm concerned it's when it starts turning into personal stuff that yeah. that isn't right whatever the situation
0: but it's, it's twitter you know it is. so you know you know it was all of that um yeah. i mean I, I don't think the fact that she's a woman is relevant at all i thought it was they were bad. It was a bad interview. The worst one was Alan Wynne Jones because she, she asked him if he should have tried to give the points back for one of the tries. Oh, yeah. I asked the, uh, did you think you should tell the ref not to give the try? Yeah, uh, you know, that was daft. But I was talking about this with my brother, and, and the, the ideal outcome for, 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 for Sonia in, in that interview was for Owen Farrell to go. Yeah, the rest of dickhead. I should have chinned him. That's what, exactly. That's that, what. That's all wanted. that was wanted out of that. Yeah, but and I, I, I think I put in the group. I was like, that, that, that interview was shocking. It was appalling. But that was between us, and I didn't. Yeah. Directly contact her. It's a bit like Phil. If you you've done a if you've done a bad job on a farm, and the farmer tells his mates, there's not much you can do about it. But if he if he comes round and knocks on your door and tells you to your face and then his mates keep coming round and knocking on your door and telling you to your face that you've done a bad job, then you're probably going to start to get wound up quite quickly. And all right, she went with crying in the car. If it was Martin Johnson, he might have like erupted and broken someone's neck or something. But, so, you know. So with, with
2: these two um, provisos, one being that I haven't seen it and another one being that I don't give a shit about the interviews. I watch rugby to watch the rugby. Actually, is the job of an interviewer sometimes not to, to try and dig people to the point where they are slightly uncomfortable it, and give here's, uncomfortable here's answers? Would she, have,
0: would she have had someone in her ear going, ask him again, ask him again? She'd have had a producer what? in her ear, and she but she would have... The, the questions
3: are her own. I mean, the, the, the producer can ask her to ask something specific if he wants to, or she, it's the BBC. Um
0: <laughs> be a lady. I mean... <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I'm maybe I'm not privy to her talkback. Producer and and reporter have their own independent talkback loop, so I couldn't hear anything that she was saying to him. It's um, but as a and yeah, but, 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 sorry, Phil, uh, no, no. Russ, Phil. To your point, no, you don't give a shit about rugby. But there are people that only tune in for the Six Nations, and they lo- that maybe that is part of it. Maybe the salacious sort of. Reporting yeah, is what those but, people want, so maybe there is an element of that.
2: So I've, I really enjoyed listening to Emma Barnett on Five Live when she had a, her show, but I enjoyed listening to it because she wouldn't let politicians dodge a question. If they gave a fudge of an answer, she would pull them up and say, "That's a fudge of an answer. Can you give me a proper answer?" And she would. And she. But if would,
3: Farrell says, "Yeah, I want to chin the ref," he's getting fined. But
1: that's
2: yeah. the difference.
3: That's the difference, Phil.
1: Instead of instead of saying, I, I think, you know, can you give me a better answer? She didn't. She just asked the same question again and again and again, as opposed to finding a different way to ask it. Now, my point is, post-match interviews, in general, in sport, are the biggest waste of time, I think, now
3: than they've mate, ever they're been. They're only there for the sponsor board. That's what they're yeah, there for. Yeah, if there yeah, wasn't a the sponsor board behind it, they wouldn't be doing them.
1: Because but, yeah, because because it what what insight do you get from it? Because it's the same cliched bullshit. You could literally copy.
3: But, and what, but why is that, mate? Because kits on people
1: because they can't say anything. They can't give an honest answer. They can't give an honest answer because they'll get chastised by the union or by the by exactly. the football league or by it's the another the one of whatever. those loops.
3: It's another yeah. loop. The players get asked crap questions, so they're trained not to answer them. So the reporters press them more. So they refuse to answer them more. And so by asking that question, she's actually made every interviewer that interviews Owen Farrell's job harder because he's going to shut down more. Cause next time he has an interview, he thinks, well, this Dick's just after me saying, I just want to punch the ref. So he's going to shut down. She made everyone's job harder.
0: And, and there, there was one two or three years ago, it was on an ITV game and Martin, uh, not Martin Johnson, Martin Bayfield asked a question, and I think it was Omani, and I genuinely thought Omani was going to deck him. It well, he's about to go. Yeah, you might not have reached him, but, but so it, it's, it's like what you're saying, they're all asking terrible questions, yeah. and it's making it worse I, and worse.
3: I remember doing an England match when jo- Martin Johnson was head coach, and Grant yeah. Simmons, when Sky were doing the rugby, asked the questions. And I was genuinely scared that I gonna have to pull graham simmons life spot the tunnel of twicker it, it was terrifying martin johnson looked at him with eyes that could have melted steel it was unreal and that's why they don't answer questions when you,
0: when you see on a wildlife well. program like just the little vulture taking yeah. part of a carcass <laughs> away <at the> <laughs>
1: After the after the after the cheetah has dropped the carcass out of a tree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leopard. right? Leopard, um, let, let's 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 move let's move on from that because we are at about an hour and ten minutes. Um, let's quickly run around the Premiership. Doug, you were at, at sale on do Friday we, night. Uh, b-
3: before we do this, do we want to do this? Really.
2: Should we, we, don't, we, don't should
3: we to. release? Should we do an egg chasers and release a midweeker, or, or should we, you know? We
1: struggle to get
0: one a week. Never mind to Yeah. I mean, I, I nobody really think... wants
1: to hear us talk about the premiership now. There's no, no six nations next weekend, and we can talk premiership next week if you want. There you
3: go. Unless anyone really wants All right, to well, I, let... I've, got that not, I've done the not,
2: bit I wanted to do, which not is not really shit referee. No. I,
3: I <laughs> will I, I will say
1: one thing is I am um, we've we've done a lot of referee panning and official panning this evening. I've done quite a bit. Um I um I just want to talk a little bit briefly about uh TMO and touch judge interjections. Doug, so I don't know whether whether you hear you get to hear this on yeah, um
3: I almost mentioned it earlier. Um so
1: and what I wanted to say is in some games you can't move for a fucking touch judge going red, 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 knock on. Line out scrum, blah 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 blah. And all you can hear is the touch judge, and the referee doesn't referee the game himself. It's usually when got... someone
3: like Matt Carley's the touch judge or one of the main list referees when they've got yeah. like three referees, three referees on the pitch.
1: Yes. So, so Friday night, Carl Dixon, I don't know who is, I think his touch job, one of them was Maxwell Keys, wasn't it? On Friday, possibly,
3: I think, I think he may have been the TMO. Uh,
1: yeah, po- po- yay, possibly, possibly. But like, so Carl Dixon on Friday, I didn't hear very much interjection from the touch judges. The TMO got involved a little bit, but, but I didn't hear it because you obviously hear it through the cameras and, and through the audio. Didn't hear a lot. Now, Carl Dixon focused so heavily on the contact area, rightly or wrongly, that, you know, that's his prerogative, that the offside line for both teams was fucking horrific. Now, if he's going to focus heavily on one area, the contact area, then he needs his touch judges to help him out with regards to offsides, right? In, and then in the next game, in Bristol um, Leicester, there was loads of TMO, offside, midfield, offside. I've got a number, but it's offside, midfield. All the time. And, and I want to know, and you guys will probably won't be able to answer this, but, you know, where's the fucking consistency in all of this? Because...
3: It, it, it would seem to me like there is no framework. So quite often, when you work on a match with BT, quite often the director will say, give that to the TMO. Like he'll see something and he'll say, TMO, give that to the TMO. There isn't a framework that says, in order for the TMO to interject, He's got to spot it. He's got to suggest it. And then the referee's got to decide whether he wants to look at it. There's no, you know, like there's a, a framework for head injuries. There's no framework for how the ARs and the TMO get involved in the game. It's the lottery. So the amount of stuff that's actually refereed varies on a game to game level, but it's rugby. It doesn't surprise me that that's the case. You know, uh-huh. in my view, TMOs need serious training on how to do that job because they're in a TV truck quite often, like Maxwell Keys, I think it was the first time he TMO'd and he's sitting in front of a wall of televisions. You know, he's got all the sound of the T V truck going on around him, and he's being asked to look at four little monitors down in the corner to make a decision, then refer it back and Trust me, if each one of these screens on this Skype call had stuff going on and you had people talk and we were all talking at once, you if you're untrained, you, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, because he's a rugby referee, not a, not a TV director. director. He's essentially doing the job of a TV director but looking at minutiae within those pictures. Yeah. The ARs don't seem to have a defined role, like you say. It depends who the ARs are. They just so, let them
2: get on, on with that, it. I'm... I would like to think that the referee gets his two assistants in in his change room before the match and says, I, "I want you guys to be keeping an eye on A, B, or C because I'm going to be focusing on D or F." But,
3: but, but that shouldn't be something that the referee dictates. That should be something that Premiership Rugby or the IRB dictates. That says, and in my view, there should be. Like in football, offside is judged by the ARs because the referee's is yeah, not but, in a position to judge it.
2: But f- football is a is a much more um, fluid game that where there's there's a is, there's two focus points in football. There's the, well, yeah, there's three. There's the touch lines, there's the, the offside lines, and there's the ball, and pretty much everything else you know is going to be fine. Whereas in rugby, there's there's six or seven different points you have to be well, looking at every one time. I would so that,
1: argue, uh, Phil, I would argue if that's the case, that, that the touch judge is in the best position out of anyone to look at the defensive offside line. Yeah. And, and that should be a
2: primary focus of the touch judge. So 100% agree. But But my point is, because there's six or seven potential different things to look at within the games... These referees are having to adapt where they're where they're focusing.
1: But what so, what is the touch judge actually doing other than flagging when a ball goes out of play or someone's foot goes in touch? Because so, in some games that's all I see them do.
2: Yeah.
1: In other games, and, and all and i, I
2: other see games, them they are calling like scrum, scrum penalties,
1: penalties call, and they're picking it, up it, it, knock mate, on I see them calling fucking scrum penalties from fifty yards away.
2: Yeah, but then that's their role. Their role is well, to watch mate, the opposite side of the scrum to the scrum to the to to where the referee is.
1: Now, that's
2: exactly that, their role. But that the that
1: shouldn't be, should it? Because if there's a on the other side of the pitch, the referee should be on the, the far side of the pitch with the most line, and then the touch judge that's right there on that side should be going. That's, and the other touch
3: judge should be watching the offside line. Absolutely. But the referee, it's fucking the referee easy. judges
2: which side he deems is, is most likely. No, 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 right. no. So, so if, he's, if, if
1: you've got a fi- another official 10 metres away, you can stand on the other and you can say, yeah, you can watch that for me because you're 10 metres away. You can see it. You don't ask the guy 50 metres away on the other side of the pitch. Well, I'm going to watch this side of the scrum. And then you've got fucking Craig Maxwell keys on the other line going blue, 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 blue pulled it down from fucking 50 metres away
3: my it's bullshit my, my thought on it is we we we've, we've, we've mm. had a lot of directives and missions to make rugby more free flowing and more space referee the fucking off sideline. yeah <laughs> so that'll stop that 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 will free up more space just yeah. get if you need to get two referees on the pitch and just say to the ar's all you got to do is worry about offside
1: but it seems it seems easy to me if a referee can consciously focus on the tackle area or the breakdown because that's that's where the action is. He can't see behind him. So if he's focused on the tackle area, he can't see behind him. If you've got one touch judge closest to where the action is, looking at the, offen- offen- uh, the offensive line, then you've got the, the touch judge on the other side looking at the defensive line, and you work that way, then the referee can actually focus on giving penalties when people are over the ball with their hands on it then they shouldn't be which then will probably stop the amount of unnecessary collisions because because people because the breakdown's being refereed properly but you see referees trying to referee the breakdown the offside line all of these things at once they can't do it, it it's impo- it's
3: impossible to physically to turn your head in all directions so regarding the regarding the tmo I don't know what training they get, but they, in my view, they need formal training on how to operate the equipment in the truck or wherever they're sat. You so should, you should. They, that. Because the director often has to say to the VT op, roll that back, roll that back, you know, jog it, jog it, rock and roll it, do what you need to do. Um, if the TMO spots something, he should be dictating what he wants. Which is
1: why, which is why then. Why haven't they got qualified officials that their actual job, they're not Saturday match day referees. Their actual job is TMO. That is their job.
2: Retired refs. Refs aren't fit enough. It's actually
3: not that difficult to do. And there's a way you could do it, which would be quite easy. You'd need however many TMOs for the game. I don't know if you know, but the BT games now, they don't have a director on site. They're all done by fibre optic link to a uh, TV gallery in High Wycombe
2: Metropolis.
3: or BT. So the director sits in High Wycombe, where my old company was. They've, they've converted one of the few of the rooms into like TV studios, di- like galleries. If they can do that from there, then there should be a hub for TMOs there.
2: I was thinking this with the whole um
3: well, Stockley Stotley Park, isn't it?
2: Well, I was
1: thinking so, that's that what that they do easy. with VAR. Yeah. They're sat, they're not sat in a truck outside. They start to stock
0: your. I was going to say, isn't that the Enigma code? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's still bullshit, but it's you know, it's what they do. And if they, if you can see pictures on the television screen, like we're watching them, because we're watching the, we're watching them at home, the same as the referees are watching them. We're
2: watching the same pictures, so arguably the TMO could be anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was thinking this with the England uh, India cricket match. With the where the umpire the the DRS system has made so many cock-ups and they're saying but they need to be home umpires because of COVID. Well they don't. Surely that umpire doing the DRS could could be be anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean let's just let's just get rid of referees. Let's just make it all remote. Let's do it all via Spider Cam.
3: And look, say, there's I a lot of arguments for saying that there's a lot of arguments to say that we just want you know, with all the technology and the referees, we just want to arrive at the right decision. We spent an hour and 20 minutes talking about refereeing decisions, and I don't want that to go from the game, because otherwise we'll end up like football, where all they talk about is how bad VAR is.
0: Yeah, I think the oh. balance
3: is nearly there. The offside line has been a bugbear of mine for years. I wish they could sort that out, because it had Harrisons. Saracen's.
1: Yeah, and it would create, you rightly said, the offside line, refereed properly, would create space for attacking teams, which is yep. what they want. So there you go. Let's move on to any other business. As, uh, Phil, have you got any any other business this week? No. <laughs> cool. All right, then. Lovely, <laughs> lovely stuff. Ben, anything from you? No, nah, we've been here all night, haven't we?
3: Yeah, fair enough. Doug? Um. I really like Shit's Creek on on uh, Netflix. If you haven't watched it,
0: yeah, it's brilliant, and it oh, gets the, better as well.
3: I, huh? I I put it off for year. Well, it's been on there for years, but I just, just the name alone, I was like, "Nah, I'm out on that." And then uh, I finally watched it, and it's at the moment, it's what we all need. It's just a show completely without cynicism or negativity. It's just really, really fun.
1: Good. Um, I'm really enjoying all, you know, all these different variants of COVID that seem to be appearing. Um, Brazilian variant seems to have appeared from somewhere. We're going to have the, uh, the
3: Kazakhstan very well, variant. It's got a very well-maintained undercarriage.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's lovely and short. Um, there's going to be, you know, I'm just waited to see which, which variant's next. There's a the Danish variant, which is uh, kind of flaky. Oh, come on, that deserve that deserve more Danish pastry. Come on, shouldn't have had to explain that. Anyway, I'm, I you know I'm fucking sick of variants. We've got a vaccine. I wonder who got the power pack. <laughs> let's,
3: let's, let's get back to normal. And um, Russell's funny stories. <laughs> Russell's
2: funny stories. <laughs>
3: uh, and um,
1: yeah. yeah, news. And uh the other thing is, I watched. I don't know if you learned you heard so- it. <laughs> uh, devils on Sky
3: Atlantic. Have you watched right. that? It was good. Enjoy yeah. it. If you little, be, little as good part. Gangs of London, yeah. I'll give it a swerve. Did you not like Gangs of London? Gangs what of London. What like of shit? Devils is good, mate. I enjoyed it. Blood,
1: blood What's lands? Devils about? Uh, bank. It's about the, the financial crisis, bank banking and bankers yeah. and murder and the likes.
0: Bloodlands on BBC One. That's that's had a strong start. Oh.
1: And Line of Duty is back, twenty first yeah. of
0: March. Yeah,
1: I've, I've been rewatching the uh, the Sunday Night Lindsey Denton series.
0: Excellent. Now, now we're now we're cooking with diesel or whatever it is he says. Yeah.
1: Sucking diesel,
0: sucking diesel. That's it.
1: Now we're cooking with diesel.
3: <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I tried. Oh, ironically, that. <laughs> I mean, I've tried. It's that. A
3: lovely flame grilled burger, <laughs> incinerated over diesel. Hmm. Yummy. Right, that'll do then.
1: Uh, Thanks for listening. I hope we've not bored you too much. Sorry uh, if I offended anybody if you've got this far. Um, But who cares? All the best. Go well.
3: Go well.